You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Hello, Grace Church. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you're worshiping with us. If you're with us in the cafe, we want to welcome you as well, or those of you in the venue, we want to say hi. Also, if you're with us online, whether you're in Kurdistan, Northern Africa, the Amazon, Haiti, we want to welcome you. We are so glad that you're worshiping with us. I'm going to ask here in the auditorium if our ushers will walk up and down the aisles, and if you need a Bible or a pen or handout, please raise your hand and they will get you what you need, and we want you just to take these message notes. If you've noticed, this series, When Pigs Fly, they've been blank, and our heart and our hope is that you'll just fill those out. When God brings something to mind or speaks to you, just write it down and take it throughout this week and continue to grow and experience life change through what God is doing in your heart, and so just use that as a space to take notes and journal a little bit there. Also, something really cool that's happening in the life of our church, I just want to tell you guys we can celebrate together. Over the last month here at Grace Church, through summer breakout, through summer camp, through our weekend services, we've seen over 50 people give their lives to Christ. Isn't that awesome? And just to celebrate what God is doing. So... That's what it's about. It's about life change. I also want to encourage you guys to fill out a connect card. We want to know that you're here. And if you've never done it, please do so. It's right in front of you. Or you can do it at visitgracechurch.com slash live. Or uh, if you've done it before, do it again. This month's connect card, the month of July, is going to go to Northern Africa. We actually partner with a mission agency there that does business as they bring the light of Christ to Muslims in a place, in a country, as less than 3% Christians. Okay, so please fill out a Connect card and a dollar will go on your behalf. We're actually sending 10 people, 10 college-age students and young adults to this area in August. So we're excited what God is doing there. So I don't know if you remember, but I remember the day, the place, exactly where I was when I found out about the earthquake in Haiti in 2010. I'll never forget turning on the TV and looking at the vast chaos and the pain and the craziness that took place on that day. I was actually living in Colorado Springs at the time, and when I was living there, um, Compassion International, their headquarters is there, and one of the executives was actually in Haiti. And they were actually under a building. I remember they would update almost every hour where he was, how he's doing, if they're going to rescue him or not. And it was crazy because over 220,000 people died on that day. 220,000 people. And on top of that, there's 300,000 more people that were injured. And over 1.5 million people instantly were left homeless. Think about the greater Kansas City area. A little over 2 million people. So 75% or so of our city overnight would be homeless. Just imagine that terror. I actually had an opportunity to go visit one of our global partners, Mission of Hope, which is in Haiti. And you'll see these couple pictures here of what they call tent cities. And these cities were made up of areas where people were having temporary housing. And as you'll see, these tents and everything that's going on there, they were set up just to live there five to six months. But actually, people are still living in a lot of these tents today. Imagine the extreme heat that we have here in Kansas City on the hottest summer day. And it's like that most of the year there. 
And these tarps you think would provide shade, which they do, but a lot of times when the humidity hits, it's like a sauna and it's actually hotter in there than it would be out in the sun. And I'll never forget driving through some of these areas and seeing the desperation and the pain. People missing hands and arms and people missing legs because of the earthquake. Disease because of the standard of living and the water quality. Cuts and scrapes and wounds that have not been treated because of no medical care. People having open sores that are bleeding and oozing. And I'll never forget those images that day in the time that I was there. And I said, Lord, where's the hope? God, we need you to do miracle. I cannot imagine living in these conditions. Lord, what can we do? And a lot of people in Haiti actually... Over 50% most would estimate practice the religion voodoo. And so there's actually this waterfall called Soto, which is up in the mountains past Turpin, which is a village that we partner with in Haiti. And you go even an hour past Turpin into the mountains and people will travel there to go to this waterfall for healing. You actually see a picture of it here. I had an opportunity to go and hung out with some Haitian kids there. And it was a beautiful, majestic sight. It was a lot of fun. I'll never forget just how big and grand it was. But people would go here because they felt that this waterfall, this pool, this was a place of healing. In reality, people didn't find it there. Actually, I was there and there was people getting in that were missing legs, that were sick, and they would get out with just as much hopelessness and despair as before. Actually, July 14th through 16th every year, hundreds of thousands of people will gather around these pools because the voodoo religion, it is taught that if you get in this place, it will heal you and or bring you good fortune. Actually, it reminds me a lot of the story that we'll see here in John chapter 5 at the Pool of Bethesda. We're going to see that Jesus does a miracle. We're in our third week of our series, The Miracles in John, called when pigs fly, because if a pig were to fly, that would be a miracle, right? We're looking at the miracles of Jesus and what Jesus does here. And there's this pool, just like people in Haiti that are sick, desperate, hurting. They're looking for healing. We're going to look at the scene where people are desperate, healing, hurting, and maybe you're in here today and you're desperate. You have pain. You have loss. You're struggling You're alone, and you need God to do a miracle. So let's pray before we dive into John chapter 5. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. We just ask that you'll speak to us and that you will grow each of us, Lord. I pray that there's people that have come in here that don't have a relationship with you, that they'll experience you, they'll give their heart to you, their life to you. God, I pray that Every one of us here will leave with a greater sense of faith. If those are, that are in the venue or online, that as they leave or put their computer down, that they'll have a greater sense of who you are and to experience your grace and love. Lord, please convict us, speak to us, sanctify us, God, and just be made known in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. So as I said, we're in John chapter 5, so if you have your Bibles, please turn there. And I want to set the stage for you a little bit. Okay, the first two miracles we see in the book of John took place in Galilee. Okay, we see, we haven't seen a miracle take place in Jerusalem yet. Or actually nowhere near. So he'd traveled in Galilee. Now he's traveling back. 
So the first miracle was in Galilee was the water and wine at the wedding. All right, Jesus turns water into wine. The second miracle we looked at last week was the healing of the nobleman's son. And a son who was healed, Jesus encountered this man and said, your son lives. He traveled back to his home and his son lived and the whole family believed. So now here we are in the third miracle in John chapter 5 verse 1. Let's go. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. Now we don't know what feast it was. John doesn't tell us. He doesn't obviously believe it's relevant for this story. All right. But it was a feast. We know that Jesus now went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. All right, sheep gate, you're actually, well, is that a gate that like keeps sheep from coming and going? No, actually you can see sheep gate in the part of the wall where it existed in the book of Nehemiah when they're rebuilding the walls. And a lot of people believe that the reason John mentioned the sheep gate here, because John often refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God. And so what John is doing here, he's bringing more attention again that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, that he is the Lamb of God. All right, and so it's by the sheep gate, a pool... Okay, so there's a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. So it's a pool of Bethesda. Actually, it's two pools, all right, here at Bethesda, having five porches. Okay, the Hebrew meaning for Bethesda could be house of mercy, house of grace, place of outpourings and different variations, different manuscript. The pool of Bethesda has some different spellings, but we know specifically what area it was. And so here in this translation, we call it the pool of Bethesda. All right, so here he is in this pool having five porches, okay? So imagine the scene of these two pools, five porches, and lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for a moving of the water. So I just think of those tent cities and all those sick, paralyzed, lame people there in need of hope. I was to that waterfall and all these people hoping for healing. This is the scene that we see here. All these sick people. And why this is significant here, I think this verse alone, that Jesus goes to these sick people at the pool of Bethesda, is this characterizes Jesus' ministry. Jesus went against the status quo, he went against the normal, because no religious leader, no rabbi, no priest, no one of any religious affiliation would go to this pool, because if they were sick, they were associated with sinners. They are associated with people that were messed up, that were hurting They were not worthy. See, Jesus here goes straight into the mess. And I want to challenge each and every one of us, are we willing to go straight into the mess? Are we willing to be a church? Are we willing to be a people group that will go straight into the mess, into a city that people need Jesus? Because so often, uh, we are good at gathering together. We're good at coming together and celebrating who Jesus is, then we go to our work or to our homes, we just get in a habit. But there's actually a city of hopelessness. There's people that need a Savior. There's people that need healing. And are we willing to go to that mess? What I'd like to call that for us is our third place. And our first place would be our home. Our second place would be our work. Our third place is somewhere that you're developing community and relationships to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. For you, it could be a coffee shop. Maybe you need to go to a coffee shop, a certain one on a consistent basis, and maybe you do this, which is awesome. And you develop relationships with people there. And you care for people, and you listen to their stories. It becomes a third place. Maybe hanging out with the baristas, I don't know. Maybe for you, it's a restaurant. 
Maybe you and your spouse need to go on a bar on a weekly basis. It's okay if I say bar in church, you'll survive. It's possible. Maybe you should go there. Maybe it's going to Kansas City Rescue Mission Center. Maybe it's going to Avenue of Life or Mission Southside. I don't know what it is, but I believe that God calls each and every one of us to go straight in into the places that are uncomfortable, that are against status quo, to share the love of Jesus. That's what he calls us to do. Could be your neighborhood pool. I don't know what it is, but do you have that third place? So for me, it's my gym. I love going to the gym that I get to go to. The reason is, is because I love developing these relationships on a consistent basis. Hearing people's life story. Hear what's going on. And for the first year that I went to this specific gym, I didn't even tell them that I was a pastor because oftentimes you get a couple responses. One is people think you're weird. Two is they start asking you a lot of questions that really don't matter, all right, that are secondary to the gospel, all right. And so, they, and so one person finally, after a year, a uh, person said, what do you do? You just seem like so nice and caring. I said, well, I said, I'm a pastor of a church, Grace Church, I'm one of the pastors there. And they said, really? And Russell, all right, who's uh, our student pastor here, works out place, and they saw both of us, they said, I didn't know pastors wore skinny jeans, that's weird. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I said, well, Russell's are tighter than mine, so that's his problem. <laughs> and so, but... It's just, see, the world has this perceived idea of what they think Christians are. Because I think so often we kind of give them like that Heisman Trophy pose, like we give them stiff arm, because we come across better than them. And really what Jesus does here is he goes straight into them and shows them love and compassion. Are you willing to do it? So let's read on, verse 4. So, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So this is significant. Okay, so here's these people, all right, laying around this poolside, waiting for the water to stir. And you might be thinking, oh, cool, an angel, was this like a real angel? Did the water really stir? Well, it would have been very acceptable for Jewish tradition and to the Jewish nation, the people of Israel, to think that angels worked. Because if you look at the Old Testament, the angels are very much at work and go to battle and helped the Israelites many times. So when the water would stir, they thought it was an angel. Also, the Greeks at the time, or the Greek mythology, which would have been prevalent in society because of Alexander the Great before and the Hellenization of all the Jews and Greek culture was prevalent throughout that time. Greek mythology, there's actually a Greek god, Greek god excuse me called asclepios and this greek god all right was a healing in the water of miracle and medicine so people viewed this pool of bethesda a lot like uh people would view let's see pagosa springs colorado all right i think it smells like rotten eggs but people get in and it's mineral and rich and it's healing or glenwood springs colorado other places like that that you get in this water that's rich in minerals and they thought because it moved the angels are working well the reason the water would move was actually just because it was fed by a natural spring. And so this wasn't, there was nothing magical or even holy about this pool. This, though, this pool is a great picture to me of how the world views hope. If you think about it, you might not be going to a pool, but you might be so desperate and hopeless. We live in a society and a world that's going to different pools for hope. 
For you, it could be overworking. That you think if you work enough, and then if you work hard enough, you get enough promotions that you're going to feel fulfilled inside. You're going to feel complete. You're going to feel important. Maybe you're in here and you love money and you think the more money you make, the more important you're going to be and everything's going to be okay if you have a certain house or car that you're going to be okay. Maybe for you it's going to church. See, these people are doing what they thought was a religious activity. Maybe you're in here and you're just here checking the box because you think if you go to church enough or maybe if you serve enough that it's going to make you fulfilled. Well, Christ and Christ alone can provide that. But so often we get in this work-based mentality and these people are saying, what can we do to get better? Maybe it's substance abuse. Maybe it's drugs or alcohol. Maybe it's overeating. That you just do this, you want to mask all your symptoms because you are so tired of being alone. You're so tired of hurting. You're so tired of being emotionally drained that you need something to make you feel better. And that's what these people were doing. They were looking to the world to the things of this world for hope. And I want to challenge you, if you're doing that, it's going to keep coming empty. You're going to get in that water and you're going to get out and you're going to feel the same. Just like those people in Haiti. They got in the water, they get out, it was just the same. What are you going to? Let's read on. Verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. This guy was sick for 38 years. All right, just to put it in perspective, all right, in the average life expectancy of a first century person in the Roman Empire at the time lived around 35 years. So we see that this man was sick most of his life, if not all of his life. For 38 years, I don't like being sick for 38 hours. You know, my wife says, I'm a terrible patient. She says, I'm the worst patient she's ever had. And I said, babe, you're a pediatric intensive care nurse. And she looks at me and says, babe, they're paralyzed and sedated, all right? I have to listen to you, all right? And I was like, you know, I was like, dang, that hurts. Low blow, no. She says, I complain all the time. But if you're in here, you're in the video online or in the cafe, raise your hand if you're just a big whiner when it comes to being sick. Raise your hand. Be honest, all right? Every service, all these ladies have been elbowing their husbands. They're like, you haven't been pregnant? You don't know? All right, anyway. So I just think for 38 years, How hopeless he must have been. How drained he would have been. Maybe you're in here and you've dealt with the sickness for two years. Twenty years. Maybe you're in here and your relationship with your spouse has been awful for the last decade. Maybe you're in here and you've struggled with a sin or a stronghold for many years and you just keep failing. And you just need God to break through. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in this condition a long time because Jesus is all-knowing, right? He's also God, and so he's all-knowing and he knows he's been here. He says to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. So he's saying, I have no friends. I have nobody. No one to care for me. Again, this reiterates the importance for us going to love on people going to care for people, to show compassion on people. Because how many people right now around you, in your neighborhoods, in your city, in your workplace, in your third place, whatever it is, have nobody to care for them? Sir, I have no man, he says to Jesus, to put me to the pool where the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, so he's trying, another person steps before me. 
this man really had lost all sense of hope. And so we have to decide right now, no matter how long you've been dealing with something, what's the condition of your heart? Where are you now? And I think that it's so easy it's to get down on ourselves, to become complacent, to become hopeless, helpless, and just kind of surrender it all and just go through the motions. Well, let's see what Jesus does. In verse 8, he says, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed, and he walked. See, Jesus here heals him. Jesus loves him. Jesus cares for him. He has compassion on him, and he heals him. This man was made new. I don't know about you or where you are today, but most importantly, my prayer is that everyone in this place, if you're with us online, if you're in the cafe, that you will be spiritually healed. Because the most important, here we see the picture of Jesus again, bringing the things that are decaying back to life. But really what I want to camp on here in this, these two verses, again, is looking at the approach of Jesus. See, what Jesus did here, he did not tell him he was a man of little faith. He did not explain to him all the things he'd done wrong over his life. He did not make him feel bad. He did not give him a formula of works-based mentality how he can be better. Jesus had compassion on him. See, the last thing this man needed was more knowledge. The last thing he needed was more condemnation. What he needed was more compassion. And that's what Jesus did. See, that's what Jesus calls us to do. If we're going to be his image bearers, if we're going to imitate the life of Christ and the character of God, then we need not to preach down on people. We need not to talk down on them. We don't need to judge them. We need to have compassion on them. That's what he calls us to do. That's what Jesus does here. And so my encouragement, i like to implore you guys, be people of compassion. Because there's people right now outside the fringes of our church. Maybe that's why we're going to Olathe. There's people in Olathe. There's people downtown. That their life, they've been like this man. They've been sick a long time. Could be emotionally, spiritually, physically, I don't know. And they just need someone to come show them love. They need someone to care for them. So if you're here, I think that one of us, excuse me, all of us can align with one particular person or theme through this story. One of those is a person who encountered Christ. Before they did, they're searching for healing, right? This man was there with multitude of people. Several people. And they were searching for healing. They were going to whatever they could do. They were hanging out there just to wait for this water to move a little bit. And I could just imagine, it's probably a mad dash, like elbowing, crawling, whatever, to be the first one in there because they thought, maybe it could heal me. Maybe you're in here right now and you've come to the pool of Bethesda, if you will. You're here. You're with us online because you're saying, I am tired of this. I need healing. Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you can associate with these people. Maybe you're in here right now and you've like the person that was sick for 38 years.
and you are desperate for God to show up. You've tried all the healings, you've tried the pool, and you're just ready for him to say, take up your bed and walk. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're in here and you've encountered Christ. And if that's you and you have a relationship with Christ, my encouragement to you, my thought for you, where you can identify is, okay, if you've really encountered him, if you've encountered the living God, if he's redeemed your soul and restored you, made you right with God the Father, are you willing to go? What is it that God has for you? I want us to bow our heads and ask the band to come out. And I just want to take a few minutes to reflect on what God has for you. If you're in here right now and you are searching for healing and you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus, I'll tell you, you can look at other things, you can look at your job, you can look at finances, you can look at relationships thinking that's going to bring you fulfillment. You say, only if I got married, only if we could have kids, only if I had this job, only if I could travel here, only if I had this house. It's going to keep returning void. You're going to feel empty over and over again. Only Christ can fulfill you. Only Christ can heal you. Only Christ can move in you. And my question is, do you want to accept Jesus today? And if you're in here and you say, I am ready right now. At this moment, I want to give my life to Jesus. I believe that he died for me. See, Jesus died for you. All your sin, all your wrongdoing, all your pain, everything in your life, He died for you. He sacrificed it on the tree, on the cross. And not only did He stay there, three days later, He rose from the grave. Jesus makes us right with God. He is the only way. It says in God's Word that for all have sinned, all of us have sinned, all of us messed up and fallen short of the glory of God. It says, for the wages of sin is death. See, our sin leads to death, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're in here right now, and you want to accept Jesus. And if that's you, everyone, you're keeping your heads bowed, eyes are closed. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but I just want to ask you, because I want to pray for you. If you want to ask Jesus in your heart right now, just raise your hand. Just raise it high so I can see you. Just raise it high. One, okay. Anyone else? Anyone else want to ask Christ in your life right now? Okay, now I'm going to ask another form of response. Maybe you're in here and you've lived way too comfortably. But you just kind of go through the motions. You say, right now I'm willing to commit to go to the mess of this world and proclaim the gospel boldly. I'm willing to leave my job I'm willing to change my job. I'm willing to get uncomfortable. I'm willing to change my weekly routine from the comfortable to the uncomfortable to spread the news. If that's you and you're saying, I just, I'm going to commit right now that I am going to truly be an outward focused follower of Jesus and I'm willing to go in the mess. If that's you, raise your hand. Raise it high. All right? See you. I see you. Many of you. God bless you. Many of you. Many of you. Amen. I'm going to ask now, we're going to worship here in a second, but 
just want you to take a moment. Maybe write on that piece of paper in front of you. Maybe put it in your phone. Maybe you just need to pray. Ask God to reveal to you someone right now. Specifically. That God will bring to your mind and your heart someone that needs compassion this week. And that you will follow through and you will love on them in such a way. Let's take a moment. ask us all now if you're in here I just want us to stand together and what I want us to do is see only this is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us you can try in your own strength but we can't do it only through the power of Christ and His Spirit and we're going to worship together. And we're going to sing a song. And what it's doing is we're, really, we're proclaiming to God, saying, Holy Spirit, move. And so I'm going to ask if you're comfortable right now, just hold your hands out like this. And we're going to receive, just say, Holy Spirit, I, I need to do this this week. I need you to help me. I need you to empower me to proclaim you boldly. I need you to help me get through my physical disability. I need you to help me love well. I need you to help me apologize to my spouse. Holy Spirit, work in my life. See, we don't come here just to worship, to go through the motions. We are here. See, in His presence, we have access to God. And we can proclaim His truth. And we can worship boldly with enthusiasm and desire and passion because He is alive. He is a God of miracles. And He heals and He loves and He restores. Let's worship together and let's ask the Holy Spirit to move within us. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.